Hey y'all, Henny here with Hooked on Crime Pod, the podcast where we talk about hooks and crooks. Well, hey y'all. Hope everybody is doing good. Uh, Hope you have your hooks and yarn ready or whatever craft you're doing. Um, I have picked up multiple projects and attempted to crochet, but my crochet mojo is out of whack. And uh, hopefully... She'll get her shit together and come back soon so that that way I can make some stuff I want to make. Um, so I've been uh, kind of working on some spooky paintings. Um, anyway, for anybody who wants to be kept up on the uh, back and hip saga of the past two months, um, I have an MRI scheduled for next Friday. And hopefully we will get some more answers. Um, today is rainy, so if y'all hear some jump cuts in this, it is probably because I started hurting again and had to either switch out an ice pack or a heating pad because your girl is miserable, all right? Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll get some answers soon. Um, today I'm going to tell y'all the tale of... Miss Bonnie Faye Wheeler Neighbors. She was born July 7th, 1939, and at age 33, uh, she went missing. Um, now, her story is a uh, pretty sad one. The whole situation's really sad. So, let's just, let's start at a happier part. Bonnie and her husband Kenneth were living the good life. Kenneth had said, I had always known Bonnie in the way you do in a small town, but once he grew older, he became smitten. The couple met at the drive-in theater in Benson, North Carolina, and the attraction was instant. Kenneth was slightly older. He is quiet and very intelligent man, and Bonnie was loving and shy, and she was so beautiful. Y'all, I will have to put a picture of her up on the uh, page over on Facebook.com slash Hooked on Crime Pod. She was a very lovely gal. Um, And so, you know, they fell in love and their courtship was fast. And six months after they met, the couple were married in a ceremony surrounded by their family and friends. And at night, the two would stay up planning their future. Ken was building his accountant business. And with him being one of the first CPAs in the county, it was growing quickly. Uh, They had talked about how many kids they would have going back and forth between, you know, having two or having three. Bonnie had son William Kenneth Neighbors III a couple of years into their marriage. And after trying to conceive again for years, Bonnie finally gave birth to another son named Arthur Glenn Neighbors. The family was living in a gorgeous, large, custom-built home. Um, Bonnie was a stay-at-home mom. And, you know, she would work at the church school that her children attended. And Kenneth was very busy with work. And although he tried to be home on the weekends... Oftentimes, work kind of kept him away. Um, Kenneth worked down um, in Emerald Isle and over in Moorhead uh, during the week and, you know, would be trying to come home on weekends. 
Uh, I read that he was running the books for the city for Emerald Isle. And if y'all ever get a chance to go out to Emerald Isle, it's a freaking gorgeous, my God. One thing I'll tell you is the beach is really rocky, so wear some uh, water shoes. Yeah, they're not cute, but guess what? Cut up feet ain't cute either. But seriously, it's a beautiful beach. Um, it's a beautiful little town too. Sorry, papers crinkling. I know. <laughs> so Bonnie, you know, sometimes she's lonely and she missed her husband and she loved him so dearly. But, you know, she understood that his business supported their family. But the big, beautiful home that they had had built together sometimes left Bonnie feeling isolated and, you know, a little bit scared. Uh, it That can happen a lot with stay-at-home moms with husbands that work a lot. I have dealt with it myself. My husband is the uh, the main source of income for our family. And... You know, you just, you miss the people you love. And so I totally get where she is coming from, you know, having said she felt like this. But Bonnie's sister, Rachel Wheeler, recalls that one of her last conversations with her sister, you know, Bonnie was telling her that she was the happiest she'd ever been in her life. Um, She had this new house. You know, yes, she missed her husband. She had her boys. She had the stuff she was doing at the church to, you know, keep her happy. She was very much a family, church, home. You know, that's that's what her life revolved around. Um, and to overcome, you know, the, the negative feelings that Bonnie may not have mentioned to her sister, she stayed true to her main interest, which, like I said, was her family, her home, and her church. And no one ever realized that heartbreak was just around the corner. The 14th of December, 1972, was a cold day in Benson, North Carolina. Bonnie's day went like any other that had come before. Um, And so she, you know, it's in the afternoon and she loads up baby Glenn into the station wagon. And they left to go get Kevin, or seven-year-old Ken from school. Uh, he was in second grade, and, you know, he's, he's sitting there waiting for his mama. But sadly, you know, Bonnie and Glenn never made it to the school. Um, the officials at the school called the police to report Bonnie and Glenn missing. And immediately after, one of the largest searches for the time in Benson begins. People from all over North Carolina come to help. Some rode on horses, others searched on foot, others drove around. The sky's full of aircraft, including National Guard helicopters. Um, the way I understand one article source that I read, uh, there were even people with private planes. Not like big, you know, weird jets or anything, but, you know, the little one-person plane, two-person planes. Um flying around to look for as well. Um, so that was December 14th on December 15th, Bonnie's empty station wagon was found alongside of market street. Um, there was nothing in it that Glenn was gone. Bonnie's gone. Um, the car was empty. So December 16th brought no clues at all 
after another exhaustive day of searching. But on December 17th, Olin Lee is listening to the radio and he hears pleas on this local station for landowners to search their properties for the missing mother and baby. So, you know, he is out there looking. His son Sherwood Lee heard a baby crying while searching near an unoccupied migrant camp about six miles outside of Benson. Um, it's off of what the road is now called Holly Grove Church Road. Um, I don't know what it was called back then, but so Sherwood runs back to get his dad, Olin, and the authorities are contacted. Sadly, Bonnie had been found on a cot in the cottage in the camp, but she had been fatally shot in the abdomen twice, suffered a heavy blow to the head, and she had been blindfolded and cloth diapers were used to bind her hands together to blindfold her and to gag her. Um, miraculously though, baby Glenn was found unharmed lying beside her. Uh, his cheeks were red and chapped and his diaper was over full, but he was rushed to the then called Betsy Johnson Memorial Hospital. And thankfully he was fine, even though he had been left in below freezing temperatures for three days. Y'all, it's, it's a miracle that this kid survived, to be honest. Um, there was a a suspicion that the uh, murderer could have taken care of Glenn for a few of those days. But, you know, like I said, it's a suspicion and no one knows for sure. But thankfully, you know, he was all right. So we're going to go ahead and uh, take a break for a second and run the uh, sponsored spots. And we'll be back in a flash hey y'all so if i get a stupid haircut i will throw a hissy fit so i went and saw miss allison crawford and let me tell y'all something i walked out of the salon and i started crying because my hair looked so beautiful and i felt beautiful and i will never ever ever go to another stylist again so if you want to look and feel beautiful too uh hit her up at nine zero nine two eight nine nine six eight five or follow her on instagram at all lowercase allison a l l y s o n underscore crawford c r a w f o r d underscore hair h a i r and y'all tip her well she deserves it she's just freaking awesome y'all our crochet spotlight artist is Stephanie Picorni. She is the freaking crochet queen of Halloween. And let me tell y'all, Googler, her costumes are amazing. Her kids look badass every single year. Like, I am in awe of her work. Um, so, y'all should follow her at facebook.com slash crochetverse ravelry.com slash stores slash crochetverse crochetverse.com at crochetverse on instagram etsy.com slash shop slash crochetverse and seriously she's amazing y'all google her and or go on any of these and look at her kids costumes they're the freaking coolest
Okay, and we're back. So, the state medical examiner of the time, Dr. Paige Hudson, and his investigator, Dr. Bill Brinkhouse, were flown in a helicopter to the crime scene, marking that as the first time it was ever done in North Carolina history. Uh, then Sheriff Rayford Oliver assigned deputies Fulton Moore and LeMay Penny to work the case full-time. Uh, thousands and thousands of man-hours were spent following countless leads, searching for evidence, and interviewing hundreds of people. At one point, three hippies were suspects. Uh, there was a local man that was a suspect, not officially, so I won't say what his name is. Um, three years into the investigation, there's still no, nothing at this point. The, uh, reward for information is $20,000, which is unheard of at the time. Um, and even though, you know, basically what they have to go on is Bonnie is, you know, suffers this horrific blow to the head you know, she's bound, she's gagged, she's blindfolded. Um, she is shot twice in the abdomen. Um, her purse and her wedding rings were stolen. And at one point, her credit card was used in Florida for purchases of less than $20. Um, and the investigation lasts just two more years. Uh, FBI Attorney General Ruf Rufus Edmonston Rufus. <laughs> I'm sorry, it makes me giggle. Uh, opens the unsolved crime unit to work on the case. Um, you know, it's five years since the crime. And basically, you know, everything that's left is gossip. And it's a source of pain for her husband and her family. You know, these FBI agents are focused on this local man, um, who I'm not going to name, but that, you know, eventually goes nowhere and the investigation is closed by the FBI. Although the attorney general, you know, he denies closing the case, uh, and says that it was just left with nothing. Um, so at this point, at this point, any investigation, uh, any leads, any interviews with people, you know, it's all fruitless. And so the case went cold. Um, Bonnie's file was tucked away in a drawer and in the hearts of her loved ones and those involved in the case for decades. Bonnie's murder becomes one of Johnston County's oldest unsolved murders. And then one day in April of 2007, the case is pulled out, dusted off, and reopened by now Sheriff Steve Bazell. He started a cold case squad and said that Bonnie's case would be the focus of the squad. But after trying to follow new leads, old leads, and figure out what's going on, um, another 12 years passes before they get a huge break in the case. DNA from a rape kit done on Bonnie back in 1972 was somehow well preserved enough that it was able to be matched 
and run through the system um, to a, Mr. Larry Joe Scott, a homeless man in Florida. He was arrested in Manatee County in Sarasota, Florida, and was known to carry a knife. He was an alcoholic. Um, he has a uh, extensive record of assault, um, you know, vagrancy, things like that. Um, and at the time, in 1972, was known to be staying in the Benson area. So, he was 18 at the time of the crime, and Bonnie was 33. Um, there still really isn't a uh, obvious motive. Um, there's no known connection between Larry Scott and Bonnie neighbors. Um, and, you know, it's... It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. I mean, DNA is an amazing thing. Um, and it is wonderful that they were able to find who did this. Um, and, you know, there was, there was a lot of stories and sources that I read through that kept mentioning um, that Bonnie was not sexually assaulted, not sexually assaulted, not sexually assaulted. But, you know... It's like that doesn't that doesn't make it better. She's she's still deceased. Her baby son was left to lay next to his mother's deceased body for three days. Um, but you know, and then this rape kit, they find that the sperm in the rape kit matches Larry Joe Scott. So you know, it's not nobody knows if the yeah relations will say was rape was consensual or what the heck was going on. Um, I just know that Bonnie's parents never got the answer. Um, her once surviving sibling, Rachel Wheeler is still, you know, she's still alive. She's still fighting for her sister. Um, and was very pleased I'm sure to have been told that this man was arrested. Uh, and sadly, you know, her Bonnie's husband, Kenneth had passed away a couple years ago. So he had died without knowing what happened, you know, who killed Bonnie. Um, and he and his second wife had actually, you know, made it a point to keep contacting the, uh, you know, the FBI and the Johnson County or Johnston County, um, sheriff's office to try and keep the case going, keep the case going, um, so that they could figure it out. But, you know, it, my heart goes out to those that died, not knowing what happened to her, but, I'm very glad that they have somebody, uh, in custody. So, you know, um, yeah, Larry Joe Scott, he fought extradition. Um, he did not want to leave Florida, but a governor's warrant was issued for his arrest and a Florida judge ordered his return to stand trial in North Carolina and an NCSBI plane 
flew to Florida to pick up Larry Scott from Manatee County Jail. And during the two-hour trip, he was accompanied by two Johnston County detectives from the sheriff's office. And once they landed, he was handcuffed and put directly into a, uh, a cop car and taken to the Johnston County Court. And he was being held, he was held on with no bond uh, on charges of murder and kidnapping. And he is currently in the Johnston County Jail. And that is where our story ends. Uh, due to the pandemic hitting, and we all know it takes some time for these trials to move forward. You know, you got to get the lawyers, you got to get evidence, all that stuff. You got to get all your ducks in a row. I have never done that. I'm pretty sure I have squirrels at a rave. Um, so if you can get your ducks in a row, good for you. Uh, but now everything is kind of stopped because of the, uh, pandemic because of, um, you know, coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever y'all want to call it. Um, so yeah, he is sitting in the Joko jail and I mean, I just, I, was told about this case by a friend who knew about this case and she follows the pod. Hey girl, you know who you are. And, uh, hopefully she and I can actually collaborate on, um, some more cases from the area. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking that it took, you know, 46 years from the time that Miss Neighbors passed until he, you know, Mr. Scott was arrested. Uh, I understand that, you know, detective work and crime scene work and everything has advanced exponentially since then. Um, but, and thank, you know, thank God that DNA is a thing, um, and that they have figured out how to use it towards these cases, because I feel like there would be a lot more, um, unsolved cases had it not be been invented um I don't you know I'm invented but you know what I'm saying like the uh science put forth to understand it and now to use it in the arena of crime um I just I really really hope that this can all be you know put to rest and finally be done, uh, for her sister, Rachel's sake. Um, Rachel is the only survivor of, uh, Bonnie's family. Um, obviously her, her sons, Glenn and, um, Ken are, uh, they go by their middle names, um, are still, you know, around. And I bet it was nice for Sheriff Bazell to go and talk to Glenn Neighbors and tell him, hey, look, I, you know, we found the guy that uh, murdered your mama. And, you know, I bet, I feel like, I feel like that was a good thing for them. I just hope that the court system can uh, get chugging along again and, um, you know, figure out 
you know, what they're going to do with this guy. He is 66, I believe now. And, you know, he's like, let's just be honest. He's been lived out on the streets for a long time and that doesn't generally help your health. And I feel like it would be a disservice to Bonnie and her family were this man to die before he is, you know, brought forth to answer for his crimes. Um, but yeah, that's that. That's all I got for you. Uh, we will be back with a new case soon. Um, I've got some special things in the works for this month and I hope y'all have a wonderful day and I am going to take a pain pill and probably try and take a nap. I currently for me it is 9:34 in the morning. Uh but I have been up since 4. I'm tired. Um and it doesn't help that my puppies are laying here next to me snoring um and being adorable and uh yeah, they they need snuggles. So, I hope you all have a great day. Uh stay safe and get to hooking. Love y'all.